Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Um, hey, grab your Bibles. We're starting a series on the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, oh, good, I haven't seen the graphics. Those are sick. All right. It's kind of Stranger Things kind of vibe going on here, and I kind of like it. Uh, but uh, a- as we're going, I do want to do a little bit more housekeeping. So grab your Bibles, turn to, let's, we're going to start with, with what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 14, then put your finger in John chapter 16. Little housekeeping that I want to do as, as we go there. So I want to recap on 2022 just very briefly. Um, that 2022, and I mentioned it when, when uh, our administrative leaders were up on stage, uh, but uh, uh, 2022 has been a rebuild year for us. It's not a year, and I've been resisting this because I'm naturally a visionary. I, I naturally speak about uh, the things to come and the things that we're going to be doing. But 2022, I've needed to stay locked in a zone as, as, you know, as a, hopefully a good dad does in, in a family. When you see what needs to happen, you just lock in a zone, you practice restraint, and we're just going to stay, stay focused on rebuilding in 2022. Right? And then if, so you, if you've been around Providence long enough, you've known that that's been really important to us. And there's four things that we've wanted to rebuild. We've wanted to uh, rebuild prayer. What does prayer look like? Because we're not going to go into any future without prayer. Okay? Uh, care. What does care look like? How do we see people? All right? And we need help on this one. How do we release shepherds? How do people belong? What do connection processes look like? to get people cared for. And hey, can I get a, 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 a hallelujah shout that 2022 is not over and we still have time to really work on this one. We, we, it's, it's harder than you think, but please be partnering with us. You know what? My real hope here is that, that care doesn't happen just from a ministry or two at Providence, but care happens because we're becoming more like Jesus and we as the Providence family just seem more like him and we care for one another, all right? Um, so, but then administration, and you've seen how God is really moving so we can build a good foundation of administration at Providence, and then communication. And all the, almost, you know, Providence is almost 15 years old. You know that? October 27th, we'll celebrate our our 15th birthday. But in all of those 15 years, communication has always been a a weakness. And so we just decide, hey, let's make it a strength this year. And I think we're getting a little bit uh, better. But once again, aren't you glad that 2022 is not over? And this is going to be an ongoing process as we get to uh, better and better at communications. But one thing that will make us better at that is actually having a communications coordinator in Heather Trent. And so uh, that's going to be super helpful. Um, so that is, that is still where we are. I'm busting at the seams to talk about vision, but I'm not going to be doing that until November. November is going to be vision month, and I'm just going to uncork real bad, all right, all over us. And we're going to talk about uh, 2023 and how God is building a good foundation here so we can start reaching people. We can start reaching out. You know, we haven't been on even a, mi- a short-term missions trip in like a billion years at this church. It's so wrong. We- we've got to get out and we've got to see the world like Jesus sees the world. And so I am going to be releasing vision uh, the month of November, and it's going to be fantastic. Here's three Sundays you're not going to want to miss coming up. September 
December 25th is Group Sunday. We're at all the groups at Providence, we're going to put out in the foyer. You're going to be able to meet the leaders. You're going to be able to meet uh, the, the people that pioneer group ministry, like Jordan Riley and like Steve S. Palmer. And so Group Sunday, we're going to be talking about uh, a vision for what groups are at Providence. And they're not Sunday school classes on couches and living rooms. They're much more dangerous than that. And you are going to want to belong in one and grow there. October 30th, that is the Sunday that we are uh, celebrating our 15th year birthday, okay? 15 years is going to be fantastic. That Sunday, you can clap. I don't care uh, if you want to. But 15 years of the faithfulness of God, that's crazy. Providence did not start as a part of a denomination just being funneled cash, all right? We actually resisted that when people, when denominations came, you know, like we could have been an EV free church and, and we could have just swam in money from the start, but that was not what God had for us. And so we always said no to those things and it's just the faithfulness of God that we are where we are. But we're going to celebrate that and we're going to celebrate that by turning the service over to tribes youth on that day. And it's going to be really great and you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, it's going to be a youth takeover on October 30th. And then November 13th, someone's growling in the front row. I'm sorry if you don't like tribes youth uh, being turned over, but uh, yeah, and we have deliverance counseling too after the service that you can have. Uh, but uh, November 13th, listen, is, uh, is Mission Sunday, okay? And we are going to introduce you to all of our local and global missionaries, and we're going to start a missions movement on that Sunday where we're going to dedicate this church not just to what happens in here to God, but to what happens outside of the church to God. And we're going to start reaching people again with the best news in the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So November 13th, you don't want to miss that. That will be communicated, but you probably want to write those things down. Hey, was that enough time to turn to uh, John chapter 14? All right. Did you find it by then? All right. Uh, good. Hey, so as we start this Holy Spirit series, I want to let you know, here's, here's my process. And I've been, uh, I've been leading us up to this. Uh, hopefully, faithfully, and uh, methodically like a shepherd. I think many of us, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, can rewind uh, the tapes of our minds back to people that just had an agenda, and they threw us in the deep end and started screaming fire and started to, trying to knock us on the ground before they ever taught us what in the world uh, or who in the world the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do. Right? I, listen to this. I am not doing that. I can't stand that. I'm going to shepherd us into this. That's how, I, I want a love for the, for the Holy Spirit to be planted here. I want us to take all of our shields down. We actually feel like, you know, we, we call it like, uh, you know, spiritual warfare, but it's actually people trying to not get hit by shrapnel again in the church because they just haven't been shepherded into a beautiful place, and it just feels really dangerous. Okay, I'm not doing that. I'm shepherding you guys into this. All right, we're going to go. This is God's church. And the, the, the Holy Spirit can be trusted as much as Jesus because he's God, okay? Um, so we're, we're, as, as we go into this, it's going to be really, really uh, good. But I also want to tell you, too, if you're here and you've, you've come from super conservative, um, you know, uh, evangelicalism, and some of the things that I'm going to say, you're, you're going to want to, the, the first thing you're going to think is Nathan's going liberal. And I'm telling you, I, I promise, I care about the theology of the church. I would argue more than anybody in this room, maybe more than all of us combined, all right? I'm the one that's going to give a theological answer for it, okay, as the, as the senior leader of this church. You see? 
And so I'm not going liberal. What I'm actually doing is I'm just actually taking us to a place that I'm just no longer able to see the church avoid what is sound biblical doctrine. You see? All right? I'm, I'm being a good shepherd, and I'm refusing to ignore places in the Bible that historically the evangelical church just has. Now, I am evangelical. But I, I believe, I'm also a continuationist and believe, and believe in everything that happened in the Bible, the Holy Spirit can still do today. You see? All right? So I, I'm not losing my mind. It's, in fact, like, there's a man named John Wimber who, who started the Vineyard Movement. And uh, he, was a, he was a really great musician. And he, um, when he met Jesus radically, um, he took all of his guitars and all of his music um, that he had really succeeded in, and he just, he, I don't know if he burned it, he, he, he dumped it all, he got rid of it. And one of his bandmates came and said, John, what in the world are you doing? Are you, are you losing your mind? And his answer to them was, was this, yes, I have lost my mind. I hope I never get it back, all right? And so what happens is we just need a whole lot more of that in the church where we, we, have, we have so... Uh, so surrendered everything in our life because we found that Jesus is a greater treasure than all, that to the world it just looks stupid like we've lost our mind, but to Christians we're like, man, I've lost what used to keep me from God, and I never want to get that nonsense back, right? And so the uh, Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 4, verse uh, verse, I forget what verse it is, but he says, I think it's verse 6, he says, he, he's, he's talking to Zerubbabel, and he says, uh, he got a word from God, it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I just want us to think about this, because this is a prophetic word to Zerubbabel in a moment, but I, I think to the, this is how God works in general, all right? He wanted to highlight it in a moment, but this is how God works in general. The way that God works is he doesn't use your strength and your power and your will. He uses your weakness and your dysfunction and his power and his will by his spirit to advance his kingdom. One, you get the glory, and the other one, God does. One provides lasting fruit, and the other one fizzles and fades. All right? So it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it is by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I I just want to uh, push into today, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What's going on? So I'm introing today this. I'm going to define the problem. I'm going to spend a lot of time with the problem. I'm probably going to spend an awkward amount of time with the problem because I want to be abundantly clear. Next week, we're talking about this, a history of the Pentecostal charismatic and third wave movement historically, some revivals that have happened historically, and then we're talking about the baptism in the spirit next week. So you're not going to want to miss that one. The week after that, Uh, our week three of this, we're talking about gifts of the Spirit in the church. And then the uh, week number four, we're going to hear from a once Baptist, now wild man, who's had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to hear from him. It happens to be Keith Dyke, uh, but don't tell him I told you that. All right? So are you guys clear today? Intro the Holy Spirit. Next week, baptism in the Holy Spirit. The following week, gifts of the Spirit. And then we're turning Keith loose. Um, So if you're going to skip a Sunday, skip Keith. I'm telling you, it's going to be scary. All right? It's going to be really weird. Uh, And uh, and he's going to cry a whole lot, uh, maybe the whole time. So I'm just joking. You you actually don't want to miss this. Um, So so are you you guys clear? 
all right? Communicated with. You have your pencils out. You got notebooks here, all right? Hey, I don't want to see any digital note-taking, all right? I don't want to see that, all right? I'm going to call you out if you do. Just kidding. Uh, just take notes however you do. But here's, let's talk about two problems when we talk about the Holy Spirit, specifically in the context of the, of the evangelical church, which is where we land, all right? Um, the, and I probably need to define some terms here, evangelical and, uh, evangelicalism, Protestantism, those things. I'm just not going to do them now. Just going to maybe research those things on your own this week. But I want to talk about two problems in the evangelical conservative church that actually help us not see who God the Holy Spirit is. And here's the first one. I'm calling it fear-based theology of the Holy Spirit. That shouldn't sound new. I, I've said it a lot. But I'm just saying it officially this morning as a point one of the problems in the, in the evangelical church is we've actually created a theology of the Holy Spirit that says when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we must use caution. Now imagine saying that about Jesus. Imagine saying, oh, when it comes to Jesus, we must use caution. When it comes to the Father, <laughs> we must use caution. For some reason... We raise eyebrows to those, to God the Father and God the Son using caution. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we actually think it's sound. You don't use caution when it comes to the third person of the Trinity. It looks like this. It looks like this. I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I'm just cautious. Now, I've already said, imagine, uh, uh, imagine saying that about Jesus, but here's kind of what we're, we're kind of saying in other words. We say we agree with the Holy Spirit when we read about him in Scripture in our minds, but we are cautious enough to not allow him to do whatever he wants to do in our lives. Say, or in other words, let me say it this way. I, I agree with what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit conceptually, just not practically okay so yeah so you talk to a lot of people they like there's a, there's actually a really good uh, systematic theology book written by a really great uh, theologian that practically speaking he believes in the ministry of the Holy Spirit but in his life he just doesn't that's what I'm talking about I, I just want to cry, cry foul to that it is, it is either true or it's not and if it is true we shouldn't make a mental ascent and think think that that is all God wants all right? Uh, if it's true, we, we have to wade into deeper water whether we feel nervous or not. All right? So, so let, me, let me tell you this. My son Ethan, he's turning 16 on August 30th. And I just want to encourage you to send money and blessings, words of encouragement uh, prophetically you know, to my son uh, because he's a really great boy and I'm a super proud dad. All right, but he at, at 16 we are going to begin the uh, to be uh, begin the the driving process and training my son to drive, and I'm not nervous about that because I really believe that Ethan's going to be a great driver. He's he's good and responsible and, and one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. But imagine that I teach my son how to drive. I teach him all about driving on paper. I have him pass the test on paper. I have him pass the test online. But I I never actually let him get behind the wheel of a car because he could have an accident. All right? Guys, can you imagine how silly that would be? Can you imagine how frustrating Ethan would be? He is, he is proven. He, he knows how to drive on paper, but he's actually never sat behind the wheel because I'm nervous about potential dangers. Okay? Listen, he, 
He's not a driver if he doesn't drive. And we are not Holy Spirit people if we just learn about him but never uh, operate in, in what he wants to do. All right? Or how about this one? How about this one? We teach people how to cook. We actually get their hands on ingredients. We get them around the greatest chefs and cooks and bakers. We get them in kitchens. We actually put a table out, and we have, we have a great display of food and desserts and all kinds of things. Everyone is salivating that sees it. They, they, just, they can't wait to get around the table and partake, but we say, hey, you know what? We heard of people that have choked in this whole Heimlich maneuver thing, and so we, we actually we just wanted to teach you how to cook. We, we, we can't allow anyone to eat because we need to practice wisdom and caution, you see. And we're just being cautious. Now, I hope someone would punch that weirdo in the face, all right, and tell them, you can't cook a meal and not let people eat. You, you demonic son of a, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You, you, that is absolutely insane. It could go bad, but that, you know what that's called? Life. All right? That is just called life. You can't cook a meal, not let people eat, and then act like or actually believe that you are an eater or a cook. For that matter, the, if, you, if the purpose of cooking is not eating, you're not a cook. And your fear is stopping you from your purpose. You see? Now what's happening is, is that this ridiculous doctrine that you can learn about the Holy Spirit, you just can't practice what the Bible says on so many pages. This ridiculous doctrine has actually been embraced called orthodox and called sound doctrine. And I have to speak to it. What it's doing is it's rendering the church useless like, like we're a body that has a mouth but no hands or feet. We, we're talkers. We're great at talking. We're horrible at doing it. All right? But if we would get out more and we would actually see the church alive in Brazil and other places, we would actually see, oh, wow, the church can exist with fantastic doctrine and Holy Spirit power. Are there, are there uh, uh, places to be cautious? Yes, just like on S-curves while driving, all right? But it doesn't mean you don't drive, all right? So fear-based theology of the Holy Spirit is a massive problem we must uh, uh, get out of if we care about Scripture and if we care about sound doctrine and if we care about the heartbeat of God. All right. Now, here's another problem that we uh, that we have to get out of if we're going to understand the Holy Spirit is is we, we must get uh, get out of uh, I'm going to say a, the theology of the box. All right. So we say no. We we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we actually practice ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we actually are, we we've created a box. So we've actually told the Holy Spirit what He's allowed to do and what He's not when He has to go and hide. And when he's allowed to come out, it's, a, uh, it's the theology of a box. Usually this is disguised uh, as, a, uh, as, as misunderstood dispensationalism, if you're tracking with me. Dispensationalism says that, you know, God is the same God, but he works different ways throughout time. And when you misunderstand that uh, doctrine, um, you actually, uh, what happens is you can say, 
How the Holy Spirit operated in the early church was a dispensation of God. It's just we're in a different dispensation, so God doesn't do that anymore. And for some reason, that has not been pushed back on theologically hard enough, and it's been allowed to live. Can you imagine that? God, the Holy Spirit inspires his word. He gives us Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to see how Jesus operated. He gives us the acts of the apostles to see what good theology lived out actually looks like. And then he says, but, but, but you can't actually practice this. Like, yeah, that's no fun. You know, uh, anyway. It's this. Can you imagine, like, you know, putting, putting the Holy Spirit in a box and... A preacher starts preaching, and the Holy Spirit wants to move, and he's in the box, and you're like, stop. I told you, you can't come out right now. It makes the visitors feel uncomfortable, and me. And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, man, you're a playful little guy today. And the Holy Spirit says, exactly, I want to come out to play. <laughs> like a good dad. <laughs> Get back in there. going to resist you. And we, we, all, uh, we even call it demonic. We even call it, we have all kinds of names for this theological nonsense, this box theology. Listen, your box is not in charge. The Holy Spirit is. And if you put him in a box, that, that's, that's called, that's not submission. That is, that is, there's a different word for that that I can't think of right now. But it's when the person you should be submitting to, you actually go superior over. <laughs> If I've told you once, Holy Spirit, I've told you twice, you can come out to convict sinners, which he, but he loves to do that, I'm just saying. In conservative circles, that, that's the one thing he's allowed. And if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, you can come out to help me read the Bible, which he loves to do with like infinity more things. Do you know, an interpretation of Scripture that says that the Holy Spirit operated and, hold on, he was trying to get out again. I had to stop that. <laughs> oh, you silly. An interpretation of Scripture says, that says the Holy Spirit operated in a certain way only to establish the church. And then once the church was established, stopped. Is one of the most dangerous theological convictions in the modern church. And here's why. The church is still being established on the earth. It wasn't established and then done. It is still, do you know how many millions of people don't even know there's a Jesus? And we say the church isn't still being established. It is, this has robbed the church of its greatest friend, its greatest ally, and all of its power. This is, listen, you don't, the, the church doesn't get power by reading the Bible and then with effort and striving, tries hard to do what the Bible says. That is bad theology. Good theology is, I could never do this. I could never in six billion lifetimes do this. I need something beyond me, more powerful than me. It's like this. I used this illustration when I was telling you about my personal experience on May 1st. I preached a message called Why I'm a Charismatic. I preached a message where I just shared my personal uh, encounters with the Holy Spirit. 
But I talked about this. If, if you, and here's how we do church much of the time. It's, it's like this. If you need to vacuum your house because it's filthy, and so you devise a good plan, and you invest in the best vacuum cleaner, and then you get all the nozzles and all the attachments and make sure you have a HEPA filter and then a replacement. Listen, you've really gone through, and you have a game plan. I'm going to start upstairs because as I stir up the dust, it's going to settle down. I'm going to end in the basement, all these things. And then you take that vacuum cleaner with its HEPA filter and all of its nozzles, and you spend 24 hours cleaning your house according to your plan, but the vacuum is never plugged in. Listen, here's what you've done. Gone through all kinds of motions that look like vacuuming. But nothing has actually happened. Do you know why? Because you've never been in touch with the power. Do you hear this? This, this, is, not, this, is, not, this is not scary. This is life. Do you hear this? How many of us are tired of doing life powerlessly? Guys, like, this is it. How many of us are so sick of going to bed just feeling bad? I Man, I just couldn't do it right. And I couldn't. How many of us are like, God, there's got to be more than this? Come on, Jesus. Like, is this, is this really it that I'm just a, a victim to my surroundings all the time? I'm seeing darkness all around me. And I'm just, I, I try, but is that really all there is? And I just want to tell you, biblically speaking, that is not all there is. All right? There's, there's power to be plugged into, and God in his sovereignty and his kindness and his goodness, and according to his plan, never once wanted us to strive to please him or to do anything on our own. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He always wants to supply what we lack, and do you know what? That's the most glorious way to do it. If stuff could be done on your strength, you would get the glory. If stuff is only done on God's strength through our weakness, guess who gets the glory? Is God, right? So if we're going to be a Jesus church, I want you to realize that we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. A Jesus church is a Holy Spirit church or it's not a Jesus church. Am I clear on that? So when we're saying that we're going to be a Jesus church, I'm not just saying, hey, we're a Jesus church, we're not a Holy Spirit church. I'm saying that being a Jesus church, which is the vision of this ministry, the vision of this house, being a Jesus church necessitates that we also be a Holy Spirit church. I hope you hear that one. So I want to talk about a few Holy Spirit basics from John 14 and 16 that are going to be really important. I just want to read these to you right now. John chapter, man, I, I, I like keeping the Holy Spirit in the box made me exhausted. You know, so I'm just like, just let him out. You know, like I remember like I loved coming home from, from uh, um, work or wherever to my kids when they actually love to wrestle and play with me. Like, isn't that, can you picture, if you didn't have a good dad, I think that part is in your heart, though, that don't, as a child, don't you want to wrestle around and play with your papa, right? Don't you want him to kind of, like, knowing that he is the power to, to hurt you, but he actually lets you win. <laughs> like, it's just like wrestling around in the closeness and the heartbeat and the sweat and just the, oh, man, just laying on the floor and cuddling and huggling. huggling. Um, this is, this is, honestly, the father wants to do that for you, Luke. 15, prodigal son says so, and the Holy Spirit just wants to help that happen. He just wants to play with you. Sometimes it's serious, and sometimes it's silly. Sometimes you cry, and sometimes you shake, but it's going to be good and glorious if we let God do what he's allowed to do with his own people, all right? So, so here's the thing. A Jesus, I want to talk about Holy Spirit basics that we must 
um, that we must know and understand from Jesus himself. I'm going to whip through these. Listen to this. This is uh, John chapter 14. I'm going to go uh, start with uh, verse 15. If you love me, you keep my commandments, Jesus says. So listen to this. Listen. Commandment keeping or obedience in the kingdom, according to Jesus, is not about fear of judgment. It's about relationship with God. I'm obeying out of love. Okay? And look at 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. Man, this is really important. Think about when Jesus is doing this. This is pre-cross and pre-empty tomb. All right? <clears throat> you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All right? We can skip around then, then uh, you know, chapter 16, starting with, you know, verse 7, Jesus is also continuing to speak on the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. If you read the Gospels and see how often Jesus speaks on the Holy Spirit, it's very, it's very interesting that we ignore it so much. But nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. All right? Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all that I had, I had planned, but I want you this week to read these passages of Scripture and say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me with fresh eyes? Now, here's the first thing I want to say, though, about Holy Spirit basics is, number one, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit helper. Do you see that? The helper. He actually says it in two places, in chapter 14 and chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit helper. Now, helper, the, the Greek language is much bigger than the English language. So sometimes when you're, uh, when you're uh, translating one word, you need three English words to try to even come close to catching the full meaning of the one Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew word. Hello? Right? And so the word helper here, it, it is, that, that is a good definition, but also it can also mean advocate or counselor. Okay? So the Holy Spirit wants to help you. The Holy Spirit wants to advocate for you. The Holy Spirit actually wants to counsel you. The, the uh, idea many of us here uh, don't know that God helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. Did you know that? We did not get that from Scripture. Christians say it all, all the time. and They're not proud afterwards. I just see them, and I'm just, I have to smile. like, man, that person's just stupid. They just don't. They just don't. Man, they think they're quoting Scripture, and they, they actually are quoting the antithesis to what is actually true. God doesn't help those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. That is actually extremely unbiblical. Listen to this. God is most glorified not when you muster strength. But when in your weakness, he is strong for you. Okay? This is, this, is what the word, this is what the word helper, advocate, counselor means. This is what God's trying to say. It's trying to say, I am not asking you to be strong for yourself. I'm not asking you to get yourself out of your own situation. I'm not asking you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm not asking you to get off of your own bed and walk. I actually want to supply the power for you to do that. Okay? Holy Spirit is a helper. And I, I want to really hammer down on this one. He wants to help. Do you know that God is, God is so big that he's not troubled by all kinds of other things? So when we say, oh, God's so busy with other things, I can't really take this little thing to him. Listen, you're undermining the magnitude and excellence of who God is when you say that. 
God is not so small that he can't handle everything than an infinite list of other things, all right? He really wants to help you. He wants to advocate for you. He wants to counsel you with wisdom, with knowledge, with secrets, with care, with love. He wants that, all right? So Jesus calls the Holy Spirit helper because that is one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does. But I also want you to see this. Uh, Here's number two. The mark of a disciple's life is the presence of the Holy Spirit, okay? The mark of a disciple's life is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 16, we see Jesus says, I'm sending the helper. And look at the, the next phrase, to be with you. We, we just skim over that. Oh, he's sending the helper to be with us. Ah, that's good. No, no. He, he's sending the helper to be with you. All right? And then when we see in chapter 16, it's forever. All right? So presence or be with, this be with promise, is how the Christian life works. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit's assignment is relationship with, with God's people, with his people, friendship with his people, all right? Um, the, uh, I, I have a plaque at, in my home office, it's 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where Paul is signing off to the Corinthians, and, he, and he's saying, The grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The, the, the mark of a disciple's life is presence with the Holy Spirit, friendship with the Holy Spirit, and as a friend, the Holy Spirit, as a friend, listen, not, not, as, not as someone who just wants to make you feel bad and uncomfortable, but as someone who knows you inside and out, he wants to guide you into all truth. This is just, you know what we write over that is we just write relationship over that. It's, it's the presence of God. It's relationship with God. It's that he never leaves us or forsakes us, and we need to just love being in his midst. That is so incredibly important. So the mark of a disciple's life is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here, look at number three, though. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing or a force. Uh, Star Wars didn't help us in this one, right? I, and honestly, and this is one of the doors that the New Age movement creeps into the charismatic movement, all right? It's because we begin to treat the Holy Spirit like he's a force that can be wielded according to our will. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is a person, all right? Let me show you that in the, in the verse 17 uh, here of uh, John chapter 14. It says this, uh, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, if the Holy Spirit was a force or a thing, it, it would read like this. All right, and every word of, of the scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is very intentional. You know, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees it nor knows it. You know it, for it dwells with you. That's what it's saying. And there's about 10,000 other places we can go, but I'm just kind of using the text that's right before me. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force, or he's not a force. He's a person. Most accurately, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, most accurately, all right? Not just a person that God likes, not like a, a spiritual being, like an angel. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Jesus' instruction at the great commandment was, I want you to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At Jesus' baptism, you see Jesus 
who is God the Son, you see, you see, uh, you hear the Father's voice saying, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. And then you, you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus. All right? So you see the Trinity all throughout Scripture. Do you know why? Because God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, not a rogue force that you have to be concerned with. All right? This is not the force on Star Wars. You don't have to learn how to, like, use some, like, a force that, like, it constantly gets out of your hand. When, when you're operating in the Spirit, you're operating with a person who wants to use you and teach you and disciple you and, and, uh, and, and take you on a journey that would change your life. All right? Now, here's the last thing, though, uh, my last point, is this, that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Okay? The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Look at John chapter 16, verse 14. Well, let's, let's back up to 13. Can we do that? When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now look at verse 14. He will, He meaning the Holy Spirit, not it, but He. The person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. The me is Jesus. Jesus is the one speaking. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you hear this, guys? So let's talk about, let's talk about what the word glorify means for a second, okay? And in order to get there, we have to reduce it to the word glory, okay? Glory is this. It's the beauty and excellence of God's entire character going public for the world to see. That's the glory of God. So you, you take the, the glory of God as the manifest presence of God, okay? What you don't deserve to see, he lets you, okay? And all the, the, the full being of who he is going public, all right? But you see this in Isaiah chapter 6 where, where I, Isaiah sees the glory of God and wants to die, all right? It is just so unimaginably great that you, you, all you can do is fall, all right? So that's the glory, the beauty and excellence of God's entire character going public to be seen. God wants you to see his greatness and fall in love with him. He wants, it, he wants his glory to capture your attention, but not just your attention, your heart. He wants to be your treasure, all right? So the, the glory of God is the beauty of God. How magnificent is your beauty? This is why the psalmist and this is why the people of old who got a, who got a whiff or got a taste of, of, of the precious treasure that God is and the glory of God. This is why they were forever changed because they've never seen anyone that perfect. They've never seen anyone with that type of manifest attributes. They've never seen anyone that great or that excellent or that holy. And so the glory of God is the holiness of God going public to be seen. Now, when we say that the Holy Spirit, when I'm saying that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, we're saying that the Holy Spirit is, it makes much of Jesus. In other words, he gives us, he, he, uh, he shows us Jesus' greatness that in other ways we would be blind to or couldn't handle. And he lets us behind the, behind the veil. He lets us in the door. He says, this is, look how glory, glorious Jesus is. You can see him. You can know him. You can adore him. 
That's why in worship, guys, there's a saying that adoration eats declaration for breakfast. That's because worshiping God and being obsessed with who he is, it's just adoration is, is the response to the beauty of God. And the Holy Spirit says, this is how good Jesus is. This is how good Jesus is. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just bragging on one another, all three being one. It is, if we can't understand it, like, do you really want a God that you can fully comprehend? Come on, guys. Listen, we, we can jump into the fun and we can understand in part. One day when we see Jesus as he is, we will understand fully, just not yet. But man, what a great ride until then, guys. There's so much more for us. So the Holy Spirit makes much of, much of Jesus, and listen to this, he gives us spiritual gifts not to make much of us. I, I couldn't, I, I have to tell you, I, I couldn't, I know Spiritual Gifts Sunday is coming in two weeks after this one, but I had to tell you this one since we're talking about glory. He gives us spiritual gifts not to make much of us, but so we can use those gifts to make much of Jesus, you see? And so much of spiritual gifts in the church it has, has been like, oh man, look how, look at, the, look at the gifts on that one. Are you serious? Look at the, their gifts? Like, like they, they, they did something for those? Remind me to edit that part out. Yeah. Now that I think about that, man, that was really, really wrong. But, but hopefully you'll remember it at least in this private, intimate moment. But the Holy Spirit helps us see Jesus for who he actually is. And who he actually is is better than everything. The greatest treasure, better than life itself. And, and you will not see Jesus like that without the Holy Spirit. And we could go on and on and on if we open the epistles and all of Paul's writings and, and all of Luke's writings and all of Peter's writings and all of John's writings. We, we would see, we just came through a Galatians series where we really hammered down on grace. But you, you, you see in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not produced by striving. The, whole, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit who's making us more like Jesus into his image. As we see his glory, 2 Corinthians 4 says, guys. This is, man, how do we not see this? Now, I just want to take one more moment just to say, what is it like when the Holy Spirit moves? Using these, using these basic things, the Holy Spirit basics, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit helper. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit starts helping? What does it look like when the presence of the Holy Spirit shows up? What does it look like when we see the Holy Spirit as a person, not a force? What does it look like when we see uh, the, the Holy Spirit as he, he's, he's fresh on the scene to bring glory to Jesus? What does it look like? Well, I can only tell you what it looks like uh, from, uh, from the history of the church. Okay, do you guys, have you guys heard of the Welsh Revival? 1904 to 1905, led by Evan Roberts. The Welsh Revival just happened when the Holy Spirit just, just fell on the people of Wales. And there, there's documented salvations during this time, hundreds of thousands of people getting saved in like a year's time, all right? But what happened is, is the, the Welsh revival, they, 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 could, they could barely explain why there was no more crime in their city. They could barely explain why cops now had no job and so they started forming singing groups to minister at the revival. They, you know, they, how is this happening? What is this like? And so they wrote a song called Here is Love. And here was their best attempt at saying this is what it was like when the Holy Spirit fell. They said, grace and love, like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world with love. 
is what it felt like. It felt like love was poured out from heaven and it wrecked us and changed us in a way that we can't even describe anymore. That's what it was like. That's really consistent with Charles Finney, who was one of the primary uh, voices in the Second Great uh, Awakening. And in uh, 1821, October 10th, 1821, Charles Finney headed into the woods and he said, I will give my whole heart to God or I will never come out of these woods. In other words, I'm not coming out of here until my whole heart is God's, he says. And so as he knelt in the woods for hours, the moment came where the Holy Spirit was poured out on this man's life. And he said, I could feel, he said, here's, here's how he does. And this is from his, his uh, journal. He said, I could feel a wave of, of electricity going through me. It seemed to come in waves of liquid love, you see. I think many times we think when the Holy Spirit shows up, like, like we're going to have to lead the conga line. And I'm not just saying that you're not, <laughs> all right? I'm just saying that if you do, it's going to be because you're so happy in the love of God that you don't care anymore, all right? So I'm saying, do you know Romans, Romans 5, 5? Listen to this, and then I'm going to wrap this up here. Do you know what Romans 5, 5 says? Uh, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, I'm just telling you guys, when the Holy Spirit moves in, a power, in power, it feels like the, the love of God being poured on us. Blaise Pascal who's a mathematician. I just had to throw him in because he's good at math and usually we don't associate math, mathematicians with the move of God and the Holy Spirit, all right? At least I don't, all right? So calculated. But here's Blaise Pascal, one of the uh, most brilliant minds in the world, November 23rd, 1654. He had an encounter with God as he focused on the, on the crucifixion of Jesus. And here's from his journal, from about half past 10 in the evening until half past 12, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers, and not of the servants. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. That's how he described it. And what he did is he put, he put that on parchment paper and he weaved it in to the uh, inside of his jacket just so he could keep that close to his heart because an encounter with the Holy Spirit completely changed his entire destiny and future and everything. He just kept it close to his heart for the rest of his life. Guys, can I say this? A church without the Holy Spirit's presence and ministry is a church that is actually deciding to live like an orphan. You see that in, in uh, John chapter 14? Jesus says, I will not orphan you. And some scholars say Jesus is talking about, you know, he's going to return to them after his resurrection. But why would he mean that if he's going to return to him just to leave him again? <laughs> He's actually been talking about the Holy Spirit. That is the context. And he's like, I'm not going to orphan you. I'm gonna, actually going to send you the Holy Spirit. And if we, if we say, hey, we don't want the Holy Spirit in this place. You stay in there. Help me read the Bible. That's it. Well, it's actually, we, we, we live as orphans, and we have to try our best. You know, in America, we, we celebrate self-made men. But you know in the kingdom, that makes people cry. A self-made man is a death sentence to a man. Do you know why? Because you have to be fathered into biblical masculinity. That's why. And in the church, you don't make yourself. You are made. You are fathered by the Holy Spirit. And I think that some of us, we have an aching in our heart and a, and a longing to be uh, daddied and a longing to be fathered and a longing to be seen. 
and this isn't the, the this isn't an issue uh, with poor leadership in the church. This is a this is a deep issue in your heart that listen to this pastors can't fix for you only hold the holy spirit can let me give you better news he wants to how many of us we we want to be fathered by god we want to be fathered by the holy spirit we, we actually want to say man i i just actually want to know like we've we've learned how to cook but we've never eaten and the holy spirit wants to make the love of god real to us if you want that can you just stand to your feet for a moment it's going to be a long journey, this is not, but this could be a changing moment for you. Could you just put your hands out like in receiving posture, saying, I'm not trying here, I'm just going to receive right now. And can you just in your own words, can you tell uh, God uh, what's in your heart? Can you just tell him, in your, you can say it out loud, you can say it, uh, and the, he, he's big enough to read your mind. But can you just be honest with God about what you need from him right now? God, I pray you put such a hunger in us. Like Charles Finney, we say, I'm not, I'm not leaving here until I've been bathed in your love. I just want to know that I want to know that I want to know. Like Blaise Pascal, I want, I want certitude, certitude of feeling. Lord, Lord I, I, pray, I pray for uh, where, spiritually speaking, like spiritual nerve endings have been disconnected from our hearts. And we're actually, we, we have built a insulation around our feelings. We haven't felt much except anger for a long time. And, and if that is you uh, this morning, I, I just want you to just tell God right now, man, that is me. That's really me. I haven't felt much but anger for a long time. And so I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and, and minister to that place in your heart right now. It's as simple as this. He, he, he's a friend and he wants to touch you. So you just say, oh, Holy Spirit, I just, I just ask you to put my, my spiritual nerve endings back together so my heart can feel the affections that it should. Man, simple prayers. And, and then maybe some of us here, we don't know what to pray. And so let me tell you, the best, most simple prayer, but this can be dangerous, to cry out to the helper is help. And if you would just tell, if you would just say, Holy Spirit, help. I literally don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of what I'm in. I really just need your help. And then lastly, I, I want those of us who we've actually spiritualized bad doctrine and theology and been proud of ourselves. This morning, I want us to repent. Say, Holy Spirit, I am not the Holy Spirit. I've been trying to keep you inside of a box and it, that's on me. And this morning, say, Holy Spirit, I repent and I let you out of the box. So Heavenly Father, we, uh, we, we just let you, Holy Spirit, out of the box in this church. We're so tired. We're so tired of trying and striving. Man, we, we want to know what liquid love feels like. We want to know what your friendship is like. We want to know what your glory looks like. And we want it in increasing measure because it brings glory to Jesus. We just bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.